Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. The swirl of smoke from candles burning While Mary looked up yearning I got confirmed and I confessed I really felt that I was blessed Plus I love my uniform So did the boy who lived next door But something changed When I became of age Things I thought were true Someday I'd break the big time This is Digital Free Thought Radio Hour live, WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And on the phone, I have Wombat. Are you with us there, Wombat? The Wombat! Yeah. Here, what's up, everybody? Hope uh, you had a great week. I'll say he's with us, just on a chance there, but I, I think he's with us. <laughs> no telling. Uh, Digital Free Thought Radio Hour is a talk radio show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we talk about religion, religious faiths, gods, holy books, and superstition. And if you get the feeling that you're the only non-believer in Knoxville, that's just not the case. There are several atheist and rationalist groups that exist right here in Knox Patch, and I'll tell you how you can connect with them later on in this show. Also, you're did, not alone. That's right. And did you know that there was an atheist call-in television show broadcasting here in Knoxville? It has been for over seven years. Did you know that one, Bat? Overrated. That's my one-word <laughs> review. I can't believe it. Listen, listen. I How can think you Harrison say that? Ford is a great actor. I Who? think Harrison Ford is a great actor. But the only thing is, Harrison you put Ford. him in this movie with, you know, replicants, and there's like he's some sort of like a Blade Runner, but all he does is ask questions to people yeah. in front of a, t- a table. It's boring. Yeah. Bored, I think you've got the wrong show. No. no, I don't think you. I still don't think you found the right show. The atheist Colin television show is called Free Thought Forum. It's every Tuesday on Comcast uh, Channel 12. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on, too. That's a call-in show, and you can call in and talk to people live right there on your TV. Uh, and in spite of what Steve Martin would have you think, there are an awful lot of atheist songs out there, and you'll be hearing them right here on this program and generally on the station as they are in rotation. I'm on Facebook a lot, and I notice that whenever atheists point out inconsistencies or, in, or fallacies in religious thought, uh, Christians, uh, believers of other religions, uh, will ask the atheists, well, you don't believe in God. Why do you care what I believe? They say it's none of your business what we believe. It's a personal and private matter. But that's not really the case, is it? Religious people never seem to shy away from expressing their personal and private beliefs publicly and at every opportunity. They put their God on the money that we all have to use. They buy billboard space to very pointedly tell us that we can either believe in God or get out of their country. They feel positively compelled to push their religion down the throat of every non-believer and different believer that they happen across. 
They even go so far as coming out screaming at us through bullhorns as we walk down the street. And in order to share their personal and private beliefs with us, to witness to us. To them, the beliefs of others are not important, but theirs are all important. The practitioners of these religions, far from being satisfied with privately practicing their belief, actually get their congressional representatives to pass laws that make everyone else live under the strictures of their religion. Gay marriage, for instance, is forbidden in Christianity. But are they satisfied with simply not practicing gay marriage? No, they have to make it illegal for everyone, whether they share their beliefs or not. Christians also attempt to suppress the teachings of any science that does not support their belief system. Given half a chance, they would outlaw the teaching of evolution, and that's been their position historically. It's the backbone of modern medicine and taught in every accredited school of higher education on the planet. Uh, the previous pope himself said that we should not investigate the early universes. That belongs in the domain of God. And that pope is directly responsible for thousands of deaths in North Africa where he announced that condoms will actually help the spread of AIDS and thereby discouraging condom use on that AIDS-ridden continent. And uh, when it comes to spreading their beliefs, these fundamentalists don't hesitate to break the law. They illegally bring boxes of Bibles and religious tracts to schools to give to our children. Propaganda which tells them that they and their non-believing parents are going to go to hell and burn forever. And which also, um, which also says unruly children should be stoned to death. Religious leaders know that this information, when given in, the, in a school setting, appears to come with the authority of a government education system and therefore carries much more weight in the eyes of these impressionable kids. Christian teachers then try to lead Christian prayers in our children's classrooms. It is an unconstitutional endorsement of religion by government. But do they care? No, they have no qualms about disrespecting the beliefs or non-beliefs of others as long as they can get to promote their belief system. The more non-believers they discomfort, the better. Christians pass laws based on those Bibles which make women secondary class citizens of their own country and attempt to limit their reproductive rights. The misogyny of the world's holy books teach that women have half the value of men and, st and should stay quiet and tend the home and not seek careers for themselves. Some religious countries even keep women from getting an education, voting, or driving cars. They teach that women provoke their own rapes and that they are more responsible responsible for a sexual attack than the man. And in some of these theocracies, they even stone the raped woman to death for the crime of adultery. The worst part of this is the religious fundamentalist terrorists. They are the people that not only blindly follow the letter of their barbaric religious teachings to the letter, but who cannot allow other more progressive citizens to live their own lives. And we're not just talking about Muslim terrorists here, but Christian terrorists as well. Examples include the Northern Ireland Army, uh, the Army of God, the uh, KKK, uh, abortion clinic bombers, and the missionary-taught African homophobes and witch hunters. The very reason that we have to suffer through long lines of security at the airport and courthouses can be directly laid at the feet of these people. All of this does not even address the hardships and downright atrocities that the children of some of these religious believers have to suffer through. 
faith healing instead of real medicine, the crippling discipline and severe punishments based on not sparing the rod, the mental cruelty and severe restrictions placed on their education due to religious homeschooling, and the mental anguish suffered as a result of telling them that any non-Christian friends that they have will be tortured forever in hell. When religion shared power and control with the government, it was called the Dark Ages, and we had a thousand years of intolerance, bloodshed, and oppression. We cannot, we will not, stand aside and let that happen again. The time when atheists will sit down and shut up is over. The dialogue has been joined. Let us all get involved. Um, that's the end of the article that's on my digitalfreethought.com blog. Um, Wombat, you want to weigh in on that? Sure. I think you have a really interesting perspective, considering that uh, if you believe in a particular religion with the idea that, oh, it doesn't really matter what I believe as long as I'm not hurting one, you have to understand that other people that use the same label that you might use are more encouraged by your subscription to that particular dogma to continue with perhaps the more uh, hurtful or harmful uh, practices that come in concert with certain interpretations of the holy book in question that you might follow. For example, like the ones you brought up, a uh, person, if you are a Christian and you don't believe that a rapist or, uh, can rape a girl and the girl can be stoned to death subsequently afterwards, mm-hmm. that's fine for you. You can have that belief. But there are Christians who, who are right now in the Congo who do believe that because they take the interpretation of the Bible to heart. Right. Well, that's uh, what it also, says. It's not just an interpretation. Right, it's a black and white interpretation. Right, for real. Uh, they also, the, in, in other just as harmful capacities, they force the woman who gets uh, sexually abused to marry her accuser. And is what's really interesting is what you'll find in particularly in like uh, uh, lower Nigeria that you'll have examples where uh, a man wants to marry into a family or uh, wants to basically have a, a, a lady be his. And so he goes out to actually commit the sexual assault. And now the family, out of the fact that their daughter's been dishonored and it's publicly known, she has no other chance to get married other than to be wed to her rapist. Right. And it's like a long-term tactic that the rapist can employ in order to secure that woman along with a dowry from the family and, and any other land that you know would be incumbent by being uh, a, a new husband or having a new wife right. that's probably in a better situation than he is financially. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible situation. Well, a lot yeah, of not only that, but away. the whole and, premise the whole premise boils down to the fact that the woman, the daughter, is the property of the man, and that the rapist has damaged the property, and that she's no longer saleable as far as going yeah, into the, a the real ma- ra- marriage. That a person is essentially a good that's given right. over to someone else uh-huh. rather than being seen as a person and a crime that's been sent against her. And like I said, a lot of people who follow the, the label of Christian or Muslim and stuff like that, ones that live in the modern world where they interact with a lot of people, ones that don't follow their books dogmatically, don't see themselves as that extreme or that conservative. But the thing is, it's not really extreme. It's just following an adherent close text interpretation of what's going on. It's not even like the flowery good interpretation that most Christians follow today, or at least in America, where they're willing to, you know, make some concessions that, well, maybe, you know, the Holy Book has been touched by man, and maybe there's some things we don't follow. Maybe we follow the New Testament or whatever my pastor tells me. There are people that are out there that are following the book exactly as it's written, 
and as a result are doing harmful and terrible things yeah. to one another. Yeah. And as a result, you can't support that by saying that you're the same team as them. You have to understand that when you follow the holy book as it's written, you might be setting yourself on the porch of doing terrible things. And even if you choose not to follow the holy book as it's written, your your proposal or the the concept, the confidence that you're giving to other people by showing that you are on the team of that holy book, even if you don't follow it, can right. still lead to indirect harm, and that's something that yeah. would be noteworthy. Yeah, but everybody you holds, all the Christians, all the, the Christians, all the different sects of Christianity, they all hold up the same book. Think of a, a politician who says, I'm running for uh, for office. You may not be a fundamentalist, but he might be. He might be taking the very words of that book as, as huh, gospel and going forward and trying to make laws on that. But just because you're a liberal Christian, you think, well, he must be a good guy too, and you put him into office, and then we're we're sunk. And the, here's the, the books part. don't change. A lot of people, but here's the weirdest part. The people who follow the book who believe, say like there's a Christian there right now, maybe somewhere in Kentucky, or somewhere in Tennessee, they follow the book and they say, I need this book, or I follow this book and it makes me a good person. The people who are out there doing harmful things also believe that same thing. They also believe that they're following the book to be a good person, even if they're causing harm to, uh, by sexually assaulting boys and girls, right. or, um, by treating people as property, by determining that because of their sexual orientation, they're superior to other people. Believing that women mm-hmm. shouldn't have access to uh, certain forms of health care right. because it, it interferes with how they think that their mm-hmm. Bible tells them to propagate in the world. Yeah. Like, there's other kinds of mindsets out there that are just as convinced as you are, anyone who's listening, that it is an absolute good for them to follow the book right. and call themselves yeah. whatever label their religion gives yeah. them. And even so if you. you if even if you put you in a better situation. Yeah. Even if you're not a, a, a literal follower of the book, you still subscribe to the institutions that say they do. Um, they, I mean, that, uh, look at the Catholic Church. They have a demonstrable record of, of child molestation going back for decades, but there's still people go to church and give them money every single weekend right. or every single right. week. And, um, it's, I mean, the book doesn't change. Their, their habits don't change. But as long as you support them, they're going to be there doing the same old stuff every time unless you make them change. And how, how can you do that? By stopping supporting them. If I was a member of a club and I found out the club leadership was molesting children, raping children, yeah. I would no longer be a member club. of that club. I would quit. It's as simple as that. Yeah. It really is that mm-hmm. simple. Yeah. If you're a part of a club and you know that your club leader, ultimate leader, drowned every baby on the planet except for one family of people, and that's actually a story that's celebrated as a good thing, you yeah. know, I would be like, you know what, maybe this leader isn't the thing that I want to subscribe to. Or like if you book. had a leader that said, yeah, basically, if you had a leader that said, hey, um, there's free cookies in the back, uh, by the way, uh, there's a car wash on Friday, and I know it sounds weird, but I gave my only son and I killed him on a, a torture device by both Roman, mm-hmm. and they shoved the spear into his side, and we buried him for three days. But don't worry, I'm going to go pick him up. It's going to be totally fine. He's going to be back. Everything's good. I'm actually doing it for you, so enjoy your cookies. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, you know what? This is a little too creepy. Maybe I should just go to the next club across the street. <laughs> it seems like too hardcore of a group for me. Yeah, really. Um, I think a lot of people have been have been desensitized since these to like these very dangerous stories, very harmful events that take place in the book, to the mm-hmm. point where they, it, it, 
it's not hitting them in the in the same mindset it would as if it happened literally anywhere else. And that's why right. we're having this show. Just to let people know, hey, just because you believe something, you don't think you're causing harm in anyone. Have you really thought about what your beliefs entail? And have you really thought out other people interpret those beliefs and call themselves the same way? And, that and what those have? beliefs are costing you. The right. uh, beliefs have very serious costs. You need to look at those costs. Think of the time, the money, the <clears throat> the harm that it's doing your family over the years. Um, you need to weigh these costs. And think about um, the moderate and progressive uh, Muslims that were living in uh, Iran or Iraq <clears throat> um, during the 60s. You all, you've all seen pictures of the progressive societies of those uh, those times. Those were Muslim societies, and they were progressive. But the book like doesn't the, the book doesn't right? change. The um, the Muslim Brotherhood um, rose up and showed people that they were not following the book, and they shamed them into com- uh, and compliance. And now and they they made the entire societies retrograde back into the Middle Ages, pretty much. And if we don't watch out, with that can happen to us, and it can also happen to the Muslims that are in Southeast Asia. Uh, the whole area down there is is Muslim um, and and open for that type of thing. We just haven't seen it yet, but it can happen. So side, side point, the, like the whole upbringing from like, uh, so what, what you just mentioned is basically, uh, if anyone was listening, if you were to look at a picture of what, like, you know, uh, Saudi Arabia, not Pakistan necessarily, but areas around Saudi Arabia look like maybe Iraq, even Iraq or Iran looked Uh like back in the 1970s. Right. It was as if you were looking at Chicago in the Harlem right. era, uh-huh. golden era, uh, mm-hmm. or New York, like right after Prohibition. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. There was people just dressed like how they would in America. Mm-hmm. Getting good educations, having good magazine. good universities. Great education. Mm-hmm. And during that time, there was a conflict in their political structure where there was people who wanted the country to be more Islamic, or there was people who wanted the country to be more Arabic. Or, or, or Arab based. And there were some political fights that occurred that really what happened was there was some military conquests that were lost by the Arab nation. And as a result, the Islamic uh, proponents took over and got more sway over the country. And as a result, in a matter of, say, five years, literally there was a social regression right. where <clears throat> literally what you look at, like something from 1970 to 1975. And it's as if it was black and white. It's like, what happened to this country? You, suddenly women who were, you know, wearing stuff you would find in the J.P. Penny catalog are now very homogeneous in their dress, uh, covered up. Uh, the men very much covered up, dressed in, you know, their particular garments of wear. And it's just what it's essentially every single person who's dressed may believe, let's say for the fact that, uh, let's take it for granted that they believe that they are now following their Islamic, you know, beliefs more ardently, more uh, thoroughly, and they're not necessarily harming anyone. But you can already see from just the look of what happened to the nation compared to what it was then and how it exactly looks the same right. now, maybe even worse than now. Yeah. I think women are allowed to drive like only last year. Yeah. Uh, it, it, oh. the, how much social progress has been lost? How much technology that we could have benefited from that mm-hmm. we don't have? How many scientists yeah. did we miss out on? Yeah. How, how much education? Moves, because you know, the, because they, stopped, yeah. uh, they stopped going to regular universities and just double down on the Koran and just learn nothing but the Koran. Uh, exactly. If you read, uh, uh, what was her name? Ian Hersey Ali's book, 
infidel. Uh, she tells how people were go, when they'd go to school, they'd just learn to memorize the Quran. And even if it right. wasn't in their language, they still had to learn it in the original language. They don't even know what they're they're learning. They could go to school for right. years, and all they would know is how to recite the the Quran that they could not even understand. <clears throat> Uh, Imagine if you go to college and you spend maybe seven years in school and all you know for like most of the time is how to recite verses in the Quran. You can't build a bridge with that information. You, you can't, can't get develop a, job a new with vaccine that. with that. You might be able to get a job, but what are you going to do? What, right. what kind of what? How can you progress the society anymore? Right. Maybe you're a teacher that teaches other kids how to read the Quran. Maybe, right. but like, what does that do for anyone? And you can mm-hmm. see by the virtue, by by the demonstrable. The lack of technology advancements that have occurred before and after the Islamists took over, and now while well, we have basically a stagnation of that country. Sure, a lot of money is going into places like Dubai, but it's not Dubai engineers that are building that. Those are guys who did not come from uh, <laughs> a lot of strictly Islamic belief-led uh, schools. Those are guys who went to science classes, learned how steel works, learned what tensile strength is. And, right. and while well, kind of materials are needed for building things, people who could work well with other people of different faiths, who can generate, uh, materials and import them from different countries and people with different kinds of belief systems. People who are willing to look past their, you know, strict box of dogma and find means of collaborating with a lot of other people. That all comes about not from reading the same book over and over again, but by willing to expand your mind. And if you're not able to do that, that's a harm. Yeah. And, by not giving those kids those opportunities, by giving an entire generation, multiple generations of people, refu- refusing them a proper education, that's a harmful thing. And to be a person in a modern world who's not a part of, like, you know, that state, uh, but is still subscribing to that religion or still saying, hey, I'm one of those guys, all you're really doing is giving those people more confidence in numbers that they're doing the right thing. You need to be critical of what you believe. Um, the whole concept is they're following their belief structure right. more ardently than most people in the modern world. Yeah. So why are you following me at all if you're listening to this voice? Right. Why are you, why are you, what makes your religion worthwhile and compared to a secular belief system, compared to actual classes where you can learn how to benefit humanity rather than what a context book said so? 2,000 years ago that has a lot of other verses that you're probably ignoring right now about how to treat people. Um, I think it's a harmful thing. I do think uh, it's an interesting concept uh, to look at it from a harm point of view. I think I like to think of it in a slightly different angle. Um, the angle I say is you miss out on a lot of good stuff if you were to uh, believe that your beliefs don't hurt anybody. Um, for example, like right now, a modern human being, uh, like an adult male, needs like 2,500 calories to stay alive, right, on a daily basis. Uh-huh. So if I were to take you down to five and I put you in a white box and I feed you water and food that equals 2,500 calories every day, I'm, putting, I'm keeping you in like a little prison cell. <laughs> I'm not hurting you because I'm feeding you the exact no, you amount are, of nutrition. You are hurting me. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm giving you exactly what you need. You don't well, need to worry you have about to define... Else. Harm is uh, letting my muscles uh, atrophy, atrophy. Yeah, uh, my so my psychology, team. my psychic would I'll be wrap, atrophying. I, I got just... the spongy cord. I'll wrap it around your arms and legs. On <laughs> all throughout the day, we'll just wiggle them a little bit. You don't need to worry. They're perfectly fine in here. Yeah. You're nice and safe and warm. I've got a hand mm-hmm. swill in the back and a water bottle. You can drink it as much as you want. Mm-hmm. But I'll feed you 2,500 calories a day. See, if I said it like that, that sounds terrible, and I don't think anyone would subscribe to that. Right. Yes. 
that's essentially what the mindset of let me believe whatever I believe. I'm not hurting one is because you. It, the only scary part is you're putting yourself in that little. Well, not spot only that. When that, you say that, it's it's goes farther than that. Uh, you may be putting your if you put yourself in a box, you're putting your your wife or your partner into a, a smaller box that's subservient to you, and you're putting your children into a much smaller box that's subservient to the mother and the father, and they're not getting the education they need, and they're not getting the attention they need. Uh, it's certainly not getting the uh, the philosophical uh, rounding that they need. All they're getting is spoon-fed a dogma. A dogma. You know, yeah, you're that is hard. pulling people down into the box with you, uh-huh. particularly if you have a very close-knit family. And even if you don't, you're still in the box. You mm-hmm. need to get out of that box. You don't need to be there. You can eat a steak, go right. to Wendy's, right. run, mm-hmm. uh, read some other books, go to a movie. You don't mm-hmm. have to live in a box all they want. And the idea of... Let me believe whatever I want. It won't hurt anybody. I'm, as long as I'm not hurting anybody, let me believe whatever I want. Isn't the best way or the most optimal path to go about things? Because you're depriving of yourself. You're depriving yourself of truth. And the cool thing about truth is, it doesn't matter what you believe. It's still what it is. And that's a really interesting concept. Because, for example, um, if I want to believe I could fly, and it didn't hurt anybody if I believed I can fly. You know, if I jumped off a building, it doesn't matter. I won't be able to fly because that's the simple truth of the world. Right. If I wanted to believe I was a millionaire or a billionaire, you know, if I had a billion dollars in my bank account and I started buying, and it didn't hurt anybody if I believed that, and I started living as if I was a billionaire when in truth I'm not, I might lead to myself, I might lead myself into some serious financial problems. Certainly. Because the truth of the matter is I'm not a billionaire. There's a value to believing in true things. Uh-huh. Even if I, even if I, what I believe doesn't necessarily hurt anyone else. And that's why it's important to try to believe into a more objective truth. Uh, 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 and truth is what comports with reality. And it's good to have a realistic idea of how things work and how to treat people because that's what moves society forward. That's what makes you a better person. That's what gives you the grounds to make yourself uh, a person worth, uh, Missing, like if, if when you pass away, people will remember you fondly. You, that makes you a person that's worth, you know, like all the means that you're using up in the world. If you're, if you're taking up, you know, resources and you're not contributing anything, you're basically pulling everyone else down. But if you are mindful of reality, mindful of your actions, willing to contribute to like this cause that's humankind, uh, you can put yourself and everyone else on a higher pedestal, it pushes us into a further realm of existence, and it's worthwhile to do that. It's not worthwhile to put your head in the sand and say, hey, I believe whatever I want, I'm not hurting anyone. It is worthwhile to say, hey, I don't know everything, but I'm willing to try and learn, yeah. and I'm going to make the best of it with right. the time that I have here, because that's precious, and I refuse yeah. to waste any moment of it. Well, sure, and you're talking basically about morals. Um, before I came here, I was reading Facebook, and there was an actual book Christian that came on there, and the only statement he made at the beginning of it was saying, if you don't believe in God, then murder isn't wrong. Um, I mean, it's just silly on its face, but I mean, it's terrible. Uh, there are moral systems that are built every, uh, all across the world that don't believe in God. Uh, Taoism, Taoism has a, a moral system built into it that, that prevents harm to everybody around you. Uh, Confucianism, um, Shintoism, there's, there's all kinds of, of, uh, philosophical religions and moral systems that have been set up um, without a God. 
it's just it's just stupid for somebody to come on and say that, but that's what they believe, and, and we have to sit there and take the time and tell them why that's wrong, which is strange when it's just that dumb. Anyway, we're at the bottom of the hour. We need to take a break. Um, we're going to take a song here, one of those atheist songs I mentioned earlier in the in the show. This one is Etta James. It's an old one from probably the 60s or early 70s. It's called The God Song, and we'll be back in about, I don't know, five minutes. See you then.
You're listening to the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on Wozo 103.9 LPFM in Knoxville, Tennessee. Feel free to join in on the conversation at 865-333-5937. That's 865-333-5937. And now, back to the show. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply the best. Okay, we're back. This is Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Uh, this is WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is a live talk radio show about atheism. We got Wombat on the line. How you doing, Wombat? <clears throat> Bye-bye! Yeah, cool. What's up? Oh, I just need to talk about the groups. Uh, if you're, if you think yeah, that you're the only atheist in Knoxville, well, forget that. You aren't. You aren't. You got the Atheist Society of Knoxville. Uh, it was founded in 2002 and now has over 750 members. Um, you can find them online at knoxvilleatheist.org or you can go directly to meetup.com and look for Knoxville Atheist. It's just that simple. Also, you can join us in person at our weekly meetup, which happens every Tuesday evening at West Hills Taps and Flats on Kingston Pike. And I'm trying to find my headphones. There they are. Um, that's near West Town Malls. That's West Hills Taps and Flats on Kingston Pike near West Town Mall, where we get our together for food, drink, conversation. Everybody is welcome, as long as you don't come to preach, proselytize, provoke, or punch. Thank you, Matt Dillahunty. Another large free-thinking group here in Knoxville are the Rationalists of East Tennessee. They've been around for more than 20 years. RET has bi-weekly presentations and discussions on the Pellissippi State Campus near Hardin Valley Road. They meet the first and third Sundays at the Goins Administration Building Cafeteria Annex on campus. And if that's too much to remember, just go to their website, rationalist.org, and pick up on the upcoming events. Excuse me. Or just follow the signs once you get there on Sunday morning. Also, there's the Sunday Assembly, which started in England just a couple years ago and is spread around the world. It's a no-God church setting for those who have had enough of religion, but still like the fellowship of a church-type gathering. At this time, they only they only uh, meet about once a month, and that's on the fourth Sunday. It'll be downtown near the, the fairgrounds at the International Building. Also, there's a Secular Student Alliance, which has programs to give camaraderie and community to any free-thinking high school or college student who would like to be involved in the free thought movement, or would just like to find other free-thinkers to hang with. Everybody needs like-minded friends, and atheists are no different. Um, earlier in the show, we said we'd talk about the Knoxville Atheist Call-In TV show. Well, it's called Free Thought Forum. You can see it every Tuesday between 5 and 6 on Comcast Channel 12 or Charter 192. If you don't have cable, you can watch it streaming online at ctvnox.org. You can also find archives of some of the shows that uh, some fan has been recording and posting them. Just go on YouTube and search for three words, Free Thought Forum Knoxville. Uh, and if you're interested in getting involved with the TV show or this radio show, just come to an Ask Meetup or an RET meeting and talk to us about it. You could be our next co-host or guest. And the phone call, if you'd like to join our conversation, um, is five. I'm sorry, eight six five three 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 five nine three seven. That's in Knoxville, three 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 five nine three seven. And that's it for the announcements. Uh, Wombat, what do we? Where do we leave off? All right, so the topic of the show is, hey, it's okay if I believe in it as long as I'm not hurting anybody. 
And I actually found a really cool article about this earlier in the week before we decided on the topic. Um, the article is basically a satire piece, but I thought it was really funny. It's from the website clickhole.com. Mm -hmm. um, they're owned by The Onion. Uh, the Onion is also a really funny uh, fake news website that purposely makes fake news that's so outlandish. But uh, here's here it gets you to the think, though, headline. right? It so, does get you to think, yeah. and I like that. Uh -huh. Sometimes The Onion makes you think more than you would on the actual oh, yeah. article. Yeah, really. Uh, it's funny, too. But uh, it's, through, it's through good comedy that you really do get to have some honest truth told to you. But anyway, here's the article name. Uh, it's called Groundbreaking Discovery. Paleontologists have agreed to start saying that stegosauruses had a beautiful singing voice because it's a nice thought and it's not like they're hurting anyone. Uh, basically, a bunch of paleontologists are agreeing uh, that they're going to start saying that stegosauruses have beautiful singing voices because it's a nice thought and it's not like anyone is going to get hurt by them saying, saying that. that yeah. and, I, and there's a whole other body to this article that's just as ridiculous as that. As they explain why they're going to uh, cheer for this new incredible discovery. Yeah. But I thought, uh, as a satire piece, what it's really biting at is the danger when people who are trusted, you know, people who are respected people, mm -hmm. who go about their lives as authority figures right. on a certain matter. They're experts in their field. Right. Yeah. Start to move away from what is a true thing, and a true thing is what comports with reality, to what they believe to be true, which may not necessarily be the truth. Uh, there's a danger in that because other people will now maybe listen to these paleontologists and also believe that stegosauruses have beautiful singing voices. And it's just and just because the paleontologists think that it's a nice idea and it's a nice thought and it's not like it's going to hurt anyone doesn't mean that it couldn't actually cause harm because what you're denying people from having the opportunity to have is knowing what the truth is. And that in its own right is a loss because that can lead to uh, uh, a trickling down effect of a lot of people believing something that's not true and maybe the people who are knowing what the true thing is working really hard to try to convince people and the people who are so ingrained in the truth of the false things because they've been indoctrinated in it can't uh -huh. ever get back to at least square one and all of society is basically now stuck with well, Stegosauruses had beautiful singing voices because just a couple of guys decided to write it down in a text somewhere. And, and now we're stuck with this idea. And that's really similar to what we're dealing with right now. <laughs> if you think about well, yeah. what we're working with in a religious context. Yeah. Well, not only that, but I mean, it could probably be demonstrated that there was no way to know what kind of singing voices they had. And then once you demonstrate that, then it throws into... Uh, uh, question the authority of the people who were who were making the claim, and then it, it denigrates the entire science. So you you know it, sure. it, it oh, does yeah, it does absolutely. harm outside sure. of the, just the silly claim. So here's the course. Here's the cool thing that you just said. Um, you basically came up with this idea of what if there was some scientific evidence that discredited the paleontologists in the first uh -huh. place. Yeah, that's how. So in the in the in the good news, that's how science works. And that's a good thing uh, in terms of, hey, science is basically a, uh, I like to call it a malarkey detector. <laughs> uh -huh. And it's one of the best ones we've got. Mm -hmm. So it's functioning properly if someone says, hey, there's no way you can know that. Here's the, you can't, or it's, it, you haven't made a uh, solid claim. 
And this method that I've used is more reliable than the method that you're using to claim that they can sing in the first place. I think we should have more confidence in the method that shows that you don't know what you're talking about. And that's actually pretty good. Well, what you are saying does have an effect. There's the science benefit, but there's also the public backlash. Sure. Where science now looks like it's fighting with itself, where it looks like you can't give a consistent answer, Mm -hmm. and where it looks like you can't trust everyone because clearly people who call themselves scientists are lying. And then Mm -hmm. there's other scientists that might be telling the truth, but who knows? They might be lying too. It makes everyone look bad. And in the public eye, they're going to look for something that's consistent, look for something that is confident, and is appeasing to maybe something they may already believe, and that's where religion steps in with their, you know, canned responses that haven't changed in thousands of years. And that's when we start to lose even more people to past and reliable means of determining true things and And, and leading themselves towards... That brings us to to another point. Religion has never debunked science. Whenever we have a problem with science, it takes science to debunk science. And that, uh, you know, it's not once in the entire history of the world has magic ever been the answer. Or religion been the answer to a, to a scientific question or a, a true false question about the universe that we live in. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's been the answer, but it's it's only been because people claim it and other people believe it. Even, but it's never been scientifically or uh, truthfully demonstrated. It's true. I think it's a really cool thing that science already has in place its self corrective mechanism. Right. Whereas things that are wrong in religion, they wrong for thousands and thousands of years, and everyone just seems to, the best solution for them is just to ignore it or pretend it doesn't say that. When it could be said in black and white in text that are printed down. You know what's funny is um, a lot of the books of the New Testament were actually, in, in the, the order that the New Testament Gospels are in is not the order that they were written in. The books and letters of Paul precede those of Mark, uh, Mark uh, Luke, Matthew, and James as well. And if you were actually, and I'm not making this up, in fact, if you have a certain, a certain editions of the book, uh, uh, of the Bible, particularly the New International Version, will ha- or uh, the, uh, the, the living book, but I forgot the exact name of it, but the NIV will actually have in, in red text at the beginning of the New Testament a detailed note that says, most theologians would agree or, or have come to the consensus that these books of Paul actually precede those of the original four that typically start the New Testament. And that sort of turns the whole idea of, you know, a self-fulfilling prophecy on its head, because in Paul's stories, uh, he's referenced, he, he, this is a guy who lived after Jesus Christ, you know, uh, lived uh, some time afterwards, yet never talks about, you know, like, uh, but yet talks in his notes as if there will be, you know, a coming of Christ, as if there will be people who will meet him, as if there will be gospel, uh, gospels of people who will probably walk with him one day or something like that. But Martin Luther, or, uh, Mark, Luke, Mark Luke, John, and James all refer, all, all tell their stories, but they don't necessarily have a reference to uh, uh, um, Paul's books either. And it's just weird that when you swap the stories around, it, it, they know, in, in the order that they're in right now, it yeah. certainly seems like, hey, here's a guy named Jesus, 
And then in the in the future, here's some guy talking about like how we should follow what Jesus has said. Right. But when you write them out in the order that they're actually in, it's like some guy saying, "Hey, these are some stories that you should follow," or "Here's some rules that you should follow." Here, some things I'm just rolling off my head that maybe Jesus said. Yeah. And then here's four weird stories that are back to back to back that don't agree with each other, all describing people who actually interacted with Jesus. It sounds like a weird epilogue that was added on and manufactured. And in fact. Some of the book's chapters, and particularly with Mark's, uh, detail, uh, detail in, in the same, uh, book in Red Text that there's extra chapters that are just thrown on on there that a lot of theologians don't believe they actually belong in the book. Yeah. What I'm basically just trying to say is there are inherent errors that are, that are a part of the current Bible structure that are even acknowledged by theologians to the point that they're imprinted on the book in the text that yeah. comes off the printing manufacturer, yet we still just choose to ignore it. Yeah. Continue to believe the book as a gospel of a God inspired by man yeah. and a perfect incarnation of what God believes. It's yeah. a weird thing, and there's science a, would never tolerate that. Yeah, there's a um, Bible scholar, his name is a biblical scholar named Bart Ehrman, and he's written a book, uh, Misinterpreting Jesus. And he was, he's saying in that book that there are so many copying errors and interpretation errors that in the New Testament, uh, just the New Testament, that there are more differences between the texts that we have, the old text, uh, than there are words in the New Testament. So this, I mean, you're just going to pick one and say this is, this is the word of God. You're making a fundamental mistake. Um, because there's so many different texts, but you're going to take the one by King James or uh, the real new Christian Bible or the new version or whatever. Um, and if you do take the King James version, be aware that that's not the only book he wrote about demonology. King James, if you go to Google, you'll find it. Uh, he wrote a book called Demonology. He was just apparently really taken with demonology. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, of course, the Bible is a book on demonology, if you if you think about it, which is kind of weird. I, no, I, I totally hear you. Um, so I've been having a pretty fun time going over medieval history on mm-hmm. my free time. Yeah. Uh, there's this really great documentary series that's written by, uh, that's based off books that are written by a guy named Dan Jones. But he's basically the Steve Irwin of medieval times. <laughs> oh, really? He makes everything really exciting and turns everything to a drama. Mm-hmm. And I've been watching everything from, like, way back into, like, the 11th century all the way up into, like, the latest British Queen. Uh, and it's just great. He makes everything really exciting to watch. But something that was particularly interesting was one of the characters that he was talking about. I say characters, but one of the figures he's re- he did a story on who is named Joan of Arc. And I think we're really familiar with this person, or at least in terms of the legacy that she has. Uh, a lot of people remember her as a uh, French woman who helped in a war against the English, helped kick the English out of France, and was eventually caught by the English and burned at the stake. Um, Joan of Arc was a very ardent believer in the Catholic Church uh, and yeah. uh-huh. believed that God himself was actually talking to her. She believed that she could hear his voice. And that inspired a lot of people to like have her on the front lines with them, and a, a woman nonetheless. And Ashley was a great... Uh, figures that inspired them to actually, you know, rebel against the English and kick them out of the country. But um, the funny thing is, after she died, uh, after she was burned at the stake, and they, uh, the English burned her three times in a row just to make sure no one else could claim to be her or anything like that. Well, they did it for good reason, because immediately after she died, there were copycat 
incarnations of Joan of Arc all around France. Really? Women basically saying that, hey, I'm Joan of Arc. Yes, shake my hand. I am Joan of Arc. Obviously, I'm her. And people would believe it. They yeah. wanted to believe it. Yeah. And they didn't, they didn't think they were hurting anyone. Uh, but obviously, there couldn't be multiple Joan of Arcs, particularly if the one that is Joan of, the one, the, the one and true Joan of Arc actually died. It's a very similar story in the sense of, you know, Jesus dying on the cross, and then all of a sudden there's now another Jesus or a Jesus who's just back again. It could have been in a similar situation where you just have people who pretended to be him who didn't have the technology to, like, know yeah. what faces look like or right. Google research right. anything. And if you read but, the Bible, uh, even when after he comes back, just about every time that he comes up and, sh- and talks to his uh, disciples, they don't believe it's him. They don't know it's him. They don't recognize him. I mean, look right. at the Bible, read the stories, and every time that Jesus appears to his disciples, you know, for the first time, they they do not recognize him. They've been following this guy around for years in close contact with him, but when they see him again, they don't recognize him. And that really just tells me that somebody's trying to take his place. Somebody's uh, has tried to fill in his shoes after he was uh, uh, crucified, killed. It's a, it's a serious thing. I think people would be more convinced. But I, like, I, when you put people in a desperate situation, they're more prone to believing what they want to believe yeah. rather than believing in things that are true. And I can understand that. Listen, we're humans too. Uh, even atheists are humans too, believe whether you want to believe that or not. And I get it. Like, there's definitely times where I'd like to believe, you know, if I just didn't have enough time to study for a test, I can still pass the test. Or maybe someone would forgive me, even though I know I said something nasty to them. Maybe if I just pretend that it didn't happen, maybe they forget. And if they say hello to me the next day, everything will be fine. We've had those situations before. But the thing is, believing in what I want to believe rather than the truth can make me into a situation where I'm more inclined the next time I make someone angry to not apologize to them and just say, hey, it worked last time, and I'll just believe that they will forgive me. I don't have to actually apologize for them. I don't have to actually be culpable for my actions. I don't have to be responsible. I don't have to be caring. I, I don't have to do anything as long as I believe that I'm those things. It's not good enough. And you have to put yourself in a situation where you may have to. I have to put myself in a situation where if I offend someone, I apologize to them. I go out of my way to do that. Uh, if, I, if I trip something over, I try to put it back in the right place. If I do something embarrassing, I feel embarrassed, and I can't pretend that that didn't happen. I have to use that to make me a better person. And I think by doing all those things, I I don't miss out on the chance of improving who I am. And that's a good thing, even if it's a painful thing, even if it makes me more vulnerable. And that's why it's important to believe in things that are true rather than just believing in what I want to believe, even if it doesn't hurt anyone. Because I'm missing out on those growing experiences, and that in its own right is harm. Right. One thing that we talked about during the break was that you you really can't choose what to believe. I mean, if you you believe because you're convinced, and uh, mm-hmm. so many times Christians come to me and say, yeah, "I really need to believe in God." You can't just turn it on like a light bulb. You can't just flip a switch and say, "Okay, I believe in God." Uh, I mean, you're you're saying it, if I do that, and you're accepting of that, you're saying basically that God is dumb or gullible that he would just believe me saying it without being able to read my mind or knowing otherwise. I mean, you have to be convinced of a proposition before you believe it or deconvinced or unconvinced. And the, and the 
and usually atheists have already been through religion. They they come out the other side. They have learned better. They know the arguments against uh, the apologetics that Christians use, and we we have good reason not to believe. And then you come to us again and say, "You got to believe." Well, I'm sorry, you can't. Uh, as you were saying during the break, you can't unsee the trick once you know how it's done. I agree. Um, there's a, 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 a big advantage in trying to believe things that are true. One, you get to improve yourself. Right. Second, you get to um, uh, have every you, – you learn from not only the good experiences, but you learn from the bad ones too, and that's what really rounds out your yeah. character. And I think ultimately it makes you a better person to hang around. I'd rather hang out with a person – that has the experience, that knows what to say to not hurt your feelings and, and it knows what to say to make you laugh, knows what to say to make you feel good about yourself because they want to make you feel good and not necessarily because they believe they're funny when they say something. Right. I, I, you have no idea how many people I hang around sometimes that might tell a joke and then they're the only ones laughing at it. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, it's not yeah. good. Yeah. You know those kinds of people. Yeah, but sometimes that is funny, just them funny. laughing at their own jokes. Sometimes that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> because they believe they're yeah, funny. Yeah. So I'm saying it makes you a better beer bud uh, uh, to subscribe to a world where reality is more important than what you want to believe. And right. to try to even equate those two things as the same, how crazy is that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, listen, what you believe is great, but what actually is, is a hell of a lot better. And I think what you should do is focus more on what is than yeah. what, what you well, want. Matt Dillahunty uh, has a saying. He says, I want to believe as many true things as I can and as few false things as I can. Because it it it, it makes my life more rewarding. When you start believing false things, uh, your quality of life would go down. Just because you're know, not getting uh, the feedback or the reward from uh, from the universe as you should. Uh, I mean, I guess you could join a group of 100,000 people who believe the wrong thing and form a community and then uh, benefit from it. But at the same time, if it doesn't match reality, the larger world is is going to leave you behind. Truth. As long as they value reality and true things. Absolutely true. How do we do it? (laughs) Okay, let me tell you something. If you want to know something nerdy. All right, this is a nerdy break. So I told you about Joan Arc before. She's the maiden uh, who was the figurehead of the rebellion of France soldiers to kick out English people uh-huh. uh, from uh, uh, what was France at the time or what's France now uh-huh. back in the 1400s yeah. or uh, 1,430. Yeah. Uh, the, the maid of Orleans. That time. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. So when she died, there was a lot of copycat people who pretended to be Joan of Arc. Uh, one of the most popular ones was a lady named Jean de Amont. Uh, she is a lady who just basically kind of looked like her. She was a French adventurer of the 15th century. I, I know I, I said 14th century before, but what I mean is 1438. Some people get the numbers confused. But anyway, she's eventually living in the 15th century. Uh, she was reportedly a soldier in the Pope's army. And what she did was basically take on the mantle of Joan the Ark, actually claiming that she was her and that people people actually began to glom around her and believe that she was the case because they were desperately in need while they were reconstructing their country, another figurehead. And they started to lavish her with gifts. There was there were admirers of Jones switched from the original Joan to her, John mm-hmm. Dama. Yeah. And even uh Princess Elizabeth, who was in Luxembourg at the time, not the Prince Elizabeth of 
what uh, what would be England at the time, uh, subscribed that this was in fact the real Joan. Like it was almost, and you have to understand that Joan was more or less uh, a figured approaching religious levels of of a saint, uh, saint sainthood. Basically, she was basically martyred upon death. Yeah. So to see another person walking in the flesh claiming to be her. You had two options, either being very critical of the fact that that's actually her, and maybe even suffering some backlash from your fam- friends, family, and countrymen, or believing that it was her and just saying, yeah, it's her, it's totally the ideal. But what caused it to flip was Jean de Amos went to the uh, tr- uh, king of England at the time, who was in building power, Charles VII. And what happened was the original uh, uh, Joan of Arc told Charles VII a secret, and he challenged the fake Joan of Arc to tell him that secret, and she couldn't do it. And that was all the proof that he needed to know that this was a faker, and he was going to actually punish her, but he actually showed her mercy and let her right. live the rest of her life yeah. basically in shame. Yeah. But it's moments like these that could have stopped an entirely new religious world. Right. Right. And, and it, goes, it goes to show that there are people wandering the earth right now and, and in the United States as well claiming to be Christ. So, I mean, yeah, it doesn't end exactly. with, uh, 1,500 years ago or 500 years ago. We're down How at the many last... How going to be Jesus literally right now? Right. I don't know. Quite a few. Uh, but we're yeah. down at the last minute and a half or so of the show. Last words? So, I, I with regard to that, the you shouldn't be skeptical of someone saying that they're Jesus Christ today in 2017 or maybe in the future. Or anytime. Maybe what you should be skeptical of is the first person who claims to be Jesus and what he actually purported to do. Did he actually do the things that he said he did? Mm-hmm. How can you demonstrate that to be true? Right. Do you have a good reason to believe mm-hmm. that's the case? And are you believing it just because you want to believe it and right. you don't think you're hurting anyone? Mm-hmm. And is that really the best way to go about it? Right. Be willing to question it. And if you're willing to change your mind on some things, that might be an improvement. Go for it. True. And with that, we're going to have to call it an end. We're at one minute left in the show. I'd like to put in a plug for uh, Michael Scott Earle's Bible Stories Your Parents Never Taught You. It's a it's really good read. It's audio available on audiobook too. Michael Scott Earle, give that a shot. Uh, the, if you want to reach me, my email is doubter5 at digitalfreethought.com. You can reach the show at digitalfreethought at gmail.com. And leaving you with the final words, everybody's going to somebody else's hell. Don't sweat it. The time to worry about it is when hell and souls are proven to be true. And that's it for the show. We'll see you next uh, Wednesday at 7 o'clock. We do some rebroadcasts at 2 o'clock and Tuesdays at 1 p.m. So uh, give that a shot. Talk to you later. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Listening to Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply 